everyone, and welcome to Accepted Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Lena Adams. She's author of the ebook Getting Into New York City Kindergarten. Hi, Alina. Hello, Vicki. I'm Victoria Chapman. I'll be helping to guide you through this conversation. And um, things we've talked about up until now have been Kindergarten Connect, dual language programs, charter schools, gifted schools, both public and private, and even how to get your child prepped for the testing. Today we're going to be talking about special needs. Now when it comes to special needs, you can think of whether they're physical, whether they're learning. It's issues. a variety. It's a variety of things. You can have kids with learning-based disabilities, you can have dyslexia, you can have dyscalculia, you can have physical issues like cerebral palsy or other issues, you can have sensory issues, you can have motor issues, you can have people who are on the spectrum that all sort of falls under one special needs category. Well, that's a Okay, so now um, you mentioned that if your child has an IEP, Individualized Education Plan, um, that if they have it prior to kindergarten, the public school is obligated to honor that. First off, what is an IEP? An IEP is exactly what it, it says. It's an individualized education plan which states what kind of services your child is entitled to. It could be speech therapy. It could be physical therapy. And you come into a public school with your IEP. Some kids get it later, but some kids already have it before they start kindergarten. In recent years, there has been a push. Rather than putting kids with IEPs in their own school, they want to have the child's needs met at their local school. So whichever school you get into, public school, they are obligated to give you the services that you are entitled to. Unfortunately, the kind of feedback I've been getting from parents has been that, let's say, your child has an IEP that says they need to have speech therapy three times a week. What if the school doesn't have the staff to handle that? The parents have been told, well, change your IEP. So rather than the school accommodating the child, they want the child to accommodate the school. Okay, so how do you get that? you get that um, in pre-K? It really depends. I mean, some children are, start showing signs of problems as early. It could be a six months if you're seeing motor issues. Some kids don't begin to manifest signs of learning disabilities or other issues until after they're in school. In any case, once you have your IEP on paper, the school is required to accommodate. Now, also, there is a controversy of... Um Inclusion education, kind of mainstreaming Yes. Children. One of the things that, uh, as I said, they've been pushing more to have kids with IEPs and special needs be in regular classrooms. So you do have these integrated teaching classrooms where you will have special needs kids and typically developing and neurotypical kids in the same classroom. Some schools will have one particular designated class for that. Some schools will have more than one. It really varies. And again, you have different opinions from parents. For instance, I have heard parents of neurotypical and typically developing children say that they love the fact that their child is in an integrated classroom because there's usually two teachers. One of the teachers is a special ed teacher, so there's more adults in the classroom than you would get in a general education classroom. On the other hand, I have heard parents who don't like the fact that their children are in an integrated classroom because they feel that too much attention goes to the other children, especially if there's behavioral problems. They're also concerned that academically, especially as you go up in years after kindergarten, that the rate of learning at the classroom may not be as fast as it would be in a non-integrated classroom. Okay, I can see the value in both of those arguments. Okay, so but sometimes, no matter how hard they try, public schools are just not meeting the needs of some of the students. So um, in that case, parents, you say, do have options. Um, when we return, uh, Alina will talk to 
two different experts, uh, Nicole Walker, Director of Admissions at the Ideal School and Academy, which promotes the inclusion model of education, and Michaela Bracamonte of the Lang School, which is an independent K-12 school for kids who are classified as 2E, twice exceptional. We'll explain what that means and how you apply and ways you can get help for the tuition for your child's education. We'll have that when we get back. And welcome back to Accepted Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Alina Adams, author of the ebook Getting into New York City Kindergarten. Today we're talking about special needs educations and what options there are for a parent who suspects that the public school or a traditional learning environment is not the right place for their child. Alina recently spoke with Michaela Bracamonte, head of the Lang School for 2E children. 2E? She'll explain. Hello, Michaela. Welcome to Getting Into NYC Kindergarten. Thank you. Now, let me ask you this. Your school is a school for kids who are 2E. What is 2E? Ah, uh, twice exceptionality is um, typically thought of as asynchronous development, um, uneven. Uh, so these are kids who are super, super bright, super capable in so many ways, and they also are uh, less than typically capable in other ways. An example might be a child who taught themselves to read at the age of two, um, but at the age of seven still has difficulty with handwriting. So we're talking about kids who are both gifted and special needs. Exactly. Why will their needs not be met in a school that's either a school for the gifted or a school for special needs kids? Well, um, we should be taking a holistic approach to any child's education. So our hope would be, um, my hope as a parent who started a school for their own twice exceptional child, um, is that none of those needs will go unmet. Mm -hmm. um, and that that asynchrony, that uneven development won't continue um, to exacerbate and undermine um, that child's ability to reach their full potential as adults. So in gifted programs, of course, they're not going to have the therapeutic supports that a child who has dysgraphia, who has difficulty with handwriting might need, or a child who has difficulty regulating in the classroom, who has ADHD, might need. Um, and a school for special needs children um, wouldn't be able to provide that uh, kind of uh, intellectual peg um, in the classroom where, where that super bright kid can hang their hat and feel um, inspired to go to school every day. If we're always just remediating, um, we're not capitalizing on our strengths, we get bored. And that can exacerbate the underlying challenges they have um, to begin with and why they're in that special ed school. Increased boredom does not enhance uh, increased good behavior. <laughs> so since many of the children have different challenges, how do you differentiate? How do you meet the needs of every child? We have very small classes. We have no more than 12 children in each class. As we know, that's sometimes even a third the size of a public school mm -hmm. class. We also have two fully licensed master's level teachers in each classroom, and very often an assistant or a child will have a para. So there are a lot of um, very, very highly trained and capable adult hands in every classroom. One of those teachers is a special education license, and the other one is an assistant. So how does a child apply to your school? How do you evaluate the child? 
Um, I think that our, I get the impression that our uh, admissions process is quite usual for the special education world, but more rigorous than for the gifted education world. Mm -hmm. So um, typically we will get a phone call from a parent who was either just trolling online in the middle of the night, worrying about their kiddo, just discovering what twice exceptionality might have meant, and they make that first phone call. More often than not, um, we get a phone call from a parent who's referred to us by a neuropsychologist or an attorney or a therapist um, who has uh, diagnosed the child. So there's that first phone call, uh, it's usually 45 minutes in length. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discovery going on, a lot of um, educating the parent about what it means to be twice exceptional or why it is helpful for a child to be in a school for twice exceptional children rather than in a gifted ed program or a special ed mm -hmm. program. We meet with the parents, we bring them in after they apply, they can... Um, uh, look at any of the classrooms they want to, but typically they want to look at the classroom that's at their child's current age and the one that they would be going into uh, in the coming school year. And then we have a child visit for two to three days. Um, if we think they're a very good candidate, we're going to bring them back for that third day and make triple sure. Now, you are a private school, but there is a way that parents can get funding from the city for a special needs school. How does that process work? Um, so essentially, in the vernacular, you are in fact suing the Board of Education. Uh -huh. um, it is a it is an unfortunately litigious process. The blessing we have right now is that Mayor De Blasio is um, he's kind of blessed that process, and so it's gone along more speedily and more readily um, in every regard over the last year, and has continued to do so into this school year. So essentially, a parent. Um, is um, seeking their child's um, due process, uh, through due process, their rights under the individual Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act. And so IDEA, as it's called, mm -hmm. the IDEA, um, uh, guarantees that every child has a right to free and appropriate public education. And so by that principle, uh, public schools are not meeting these children's needs. They're totally falling through the cracks. Mm -hmm. Um, parents know that, the neuropsychs know that, um, the psychologists know that, the learning specialists know that, know that even the public schools themselves know that, which is why this process isn't as difficult as it might be otherwise. The parent hires an education attorney, There's, they specialize in this and only this type of law and helping parents in these situations, and they submit to the Department of Education a uh, hearing request. And typically what happens after that is that the Department of Education offers a so-called settlement. They get into negotiations with a parent about what percentage of the tuition that the parent has paid they will get reimbursed. Mm, mm -hmm. And so our parents typically get typically get reimbursed. Used to be like 85 to 90%. Now they're getting more like 90 to 100%. Oh, wow. And that's even for kids who, parents whose kids have paras. It's, um, it's a process that's gotten only easier, quicker, and better since de Blasio's been at the helm. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for this information. We really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for asking me great conversation. But what if parents are looking for a more inclusive environment for their special needs child? A place where they're learning side by side with typically developing peers. Still ahead, we'll talk about the Ideal School and Academy, love that name, which offers an integrated classroom for all children. We'll be right back.
hi, and welcome back to Accepted Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Alina Adams, author of the book, Getting into New York City Kindergarten. Now, some children do best in a school or classroom that's exclusively devoted to special needs, but others thrive in an environment of inclusion. Alina recently talked with Nicole Walker, admissions director at the Ideal School and Academy, about their model of inclusion for all students. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to Getting Into NYC Kindergarten. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's just just jump right in and talk about the Ideal School and Academy, which offers the only one of its kind inclusion private school model in New York City. Tell us about it. That's right. Um, Ideal is fairly new. We are about 10 years old and started off originally as a K through 5 program um, and really recognized the need to continue the inclusion model uh, at least throughout 8th grade and um, actually moved to the Upper West Side on 91st Street and housed a K through 8 program until I would say December of 2013, um, looking forward, you know, and, and thinking ahead for some of our graduates and recognizing that, you know, they might kind of be excluded from some of the in other independent school programs um, that are offered um, and really thinking about how we would help those students transition out of ideal and, and thinking about whether we should expand the program to include a high school and, and looking towards uh, 12th grade. So our board made the decision and we're in about, I would say, our second year of recruiting for the high school program, but obviously kindergarten is one of our main entry points. Um, we get a number of different applicants coming from the traditional mainstream nursery schools, both independent sometimes public, and then some of the more specialized uh, special needs nursery programs. So when you call it the inclusion model, what does it actually mean? Who do you include? <laughs> so um, our model right now is about one-third um, students with learning differences or special needs and uh, two-thirds typically developing. So that one-third will include students um, really that run the gamut in terms of needs. So there are some students who might be on the spectrum that are high functioning, um, other students who might have more language-based disabilities, students who have mobility issues, maybe Down syndrome, ADHD. Um, it's a small population, but they're all students who we believe would benefit from typically developing peer models. Now, why is an inclusion classroom beneficial to both the typically developing and the special needs population? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I, you know, for us, or I'll, I'll say for myself personally, um, as someone who uh, went to independent school in the city, we really do look at it as diversity. I think when you, you talk to a number of different independent schools, there's been a huge focus, um, maybe in the last five to seven years, in making more inclusive classrooms. I think the area that's been missing in most situations has been, um, you know, the neurodiverse students. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's just recognizing that, you know, our students are more compassionate, they think critically, um, they're really willing to 
I think investigate the narrative that might be missing, recognizing that there is a standard student, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and there's a standard student that I think is a little more celebrated than a student who might have some struggles or might have challenges processing information um, or even who looks different. So our students, we find, especially those who start off in kindergarten and move throughout the program, um, they are willing to recognize that there are different types of learners, um, they're more helpful with their peers, um, and really we feel we're preparing them for the real world. We recognize that there's not you know, just one type of person. So we feel like we're we're sending them out um, into a global society for which they'll they'll be adequately prepared. For parents who are wondering how a classroom works when you have children of various different abilities, what might be a typical class or a typical day at Ideal School and Academy? Sure, sure. Um, we I would say have anywhere between sixteen and eighteen students in a class. We have two teachers. One teacher is a general educator and the other is a special educator. That general educator is there to focus on the curriculum as a whole, um, while the special educator's role is to really fine-tune it for all of our students. So, you know, we recognize that kids are learning differently, they're processing information differently, um, and it might just be that they excel in, in, let's say, reading, but need some scaffolding in math. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, differentiation is key for us. And having those two teachers in the classroom, we really do create a collaborative teaching team that is able to address the needs of all of our students, particularly in lower school. You use the term scaffolding. Can you define that for people? Sure. It's it's really just providing, you know, additional support. I think sometimes, especially in kindergarten, you have kids that, you know, they might come in and be able to read and write and identify letters and, and numbers and really have strong um, pre-academic skills. And there are other students that do need you know, some more support moving throughout the day. So for us, that scaffolding um, is really identifying those areas that might be a little bit challenging for a student. And specifically, um, what we try to do is, is, is break down the day in what we call um, into our elective program. So mm -hmm. for students that um, need additional academic support um, and may also need related services in the form of uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, your speech and language therapy, um, you know, we're able to break down three 30-minute periods where, you know, we're really focused on small group instruction and that differentiation. So if we have a child that comes in and, and might be reading or decoding at a second grade level, then we're able to push that child and make sure that they're, you know, they continue to be engaged in the classroom. Um, if there's a child that is perhaps reading or, you know, has math skills that are mm -hmm. below grade level, then that's a time where we can really focus on, you know, bringing them up to speed and ensuring that they're keeping up with the rest of the class and really able to understand what's, what's being taught. You mentioned being a, pro a product of New York City independent schools. New York yeah. City independent schools are not cheap. No. Is there, <laughs> is there financial aid available for families? 
Yes, there is financial aid available for our families. We're actually, I would say, quite generous uh-huh. um, in terms of our financial aid. I think the average for most independent schools is maybe about 15 to 18% of the operating budget. Ideal goes far beyond that to ensure that, again, we keep our population diverse. Um, you know, so we, we recognize that independent school, um, the cost is pretty high. <laughs> I think we've agreed on that. <laughs> yes, it's an investment for our families, and we don't want it to be a situation where, you know, a family is only able to attend for one year. We want this to be, now that we're moving um, into the K-12 direction, we want it to be a 13-year experience for our families and our students. So. We are committed to a very, very strong financial aid and tuition assistance program. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of good information, Marilena. Okay, so now, where again can we find your book and where you're going to be? The book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Just look at Getting Into New York City Kindergarten. You can also go to my website, alinaadams.com, and see where my next appearances will be. I give free getting into New York City kindergarten workshops all over the city. So stop by and say hello. And there are archives of this podcast with previous conversations. So you need to check it out. You can download them, right? MP3s and MP4s. Wonderful. Now, next week, we want you to enjoy the holiday as you digest your food, you can digest all the information that Alina has been sharing with you. I know, that was a bad joke. And we will see you come December. Have a great holiday. <laughs>